oh, what if I make the wrong decision? That it's a different version of self-doubt. But if you make the wrong decision, just keep staying open to the information and you can course correct. Because we do that all the time, right? We see an obstacle, we walk around it. Or we stop and think about it. Why is that obstacle there? Hi, and welcome back to Clarity Cafe, our safe space to get some clarity on life. I'm Barb, and I'm here with my Clarity sister, Callie. And we're super excited to give a shout out to our community, all the participation that we've had on social, on Instagram and Facebook, and on the podcast. We really appreciate you liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it, and helping us spread the word to help us all get a little more clarity and neutrality into our lives. If you have questions on our podcast or you have any ideas of a topic that you'd like us to help discuss and bring some clarity to, please send us uh, some feedback. You can DM us on Facebook or Instagram. We just love to hear from you. And I know that all the community is uh, starting to really just support each other. So can't express enough how grateful we are for all of that. Uh, In our last episode, we talked about communicating with people whose brains may work differently than ours. Such a great topic. Learning to acknowledge and appreciate our differences while we're being supportive of our unique individuality. On this episode, we're going to come get some clarity on how to de-stress decision making. (sighs) We all have to make a lot of decisions during the day. And, you know, hopefully we can leave this episode with some tools that uh, will help us make our decisions be made with more ease rather than effort. Just try to imagine going through your day and having all the decisions that you have to make feel natural and that you're doing them from a position of neutrality and full clarity and acceptance. So let's just dive into this topic. Uh, Kelly, how would you like to take us down this road of de-stressing our decision making? I'd like to start with us all just taking a deep breath. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) I just got a little bit tense just thinking about making decisions there. And there's a couple of things I want to mark some signposts along the way, because definitely the concept of decision fatigue, which is where we have so many decisions to make in a day that we just get exhausted to where even the simplest of decisions become overwhelming. That's an entire another podcast. And so we will definitely mark that for our season four list of things to chat about. And that's a very real thing that can happen. But today, let's just start with getting a little flexible in our mind about how we perceive that we make decisions. So each of us has a framework that we've developed both consciously and subconsciously that we move our decisions through. And for some of us, decisions can be an easy thing. And for others, there may be types of decisions that are easy and some that are difficult. Or maybe we're on the other side of the spectrum that we're not really happy with the results of the decisions that we're making, but it might be that the framework we're moving through in our minds isn't working. So the first thing is to just recognize we each have our own individual framework. 
Yeah. It's like our own individual houses and all the things we've created in our lives. All those things go into our decision-making. It's so perfect, right, Barb? Because each of us, I have a way that I make decisions and you have a way that you make decisions. So any buddy that's in our lives also has their own framework for how they make decisions. And for many of us, we probably have never even thought about the fact that the people closest to us could have a very different process. And that the first thing we can do is just acknowledge that we all have a process. Mm. And, and acknowledge that what seems logical to us in our decision-making process may not work for the person that's sitting with us making a joint decision. Some of us may start out with more of an emotional idea. Some of us may start out with more of an intellectual idea. And then we all bring all of our experiences to the table. So making a decision and understanding how we make decisions is such an important part of that and gives us, I think, so much clarity in terms of understanding how other people make decisions. It's so important just acknowledging that other people have a process and that we don't want to force our process because actually when there's a decision that involves other people at work or other people at home or social um, groups of people, when we can step back and recognize that everyone has their own process and then acknowledge and appreciate that each person goes through a process in their own way, we begin to embrace the diversity of thinking that we have around our intellectual table, if you will. And we can begin to leverage the different perspectives and the different decision-making processes that people have. Then we get to have better decisions made in our lives. And so an example I might give would be Say you're working on a project that has different groups or different departments um, weighing in on different aspects of a large project. You may have your accounting department or finance. You may have your technical team. You may have your business functions or teams that are also going to be impacted by this project. So when we have all of the stakeholders from the different areas of an organization at the table, they all have different perspectives as how they're looking at this overall project and how it's going to be implemented. So the first thing is just to acknowledge that we appreciate different things coming to the table, but we also may be a little annoyed if we're trying to push something through fast, because that's the direction we've been given, that everybody has to have their process. So I understand there could be some constraints with that, but just even starting to acknowledge and say, wow, everybody's got their different thing. And I'm super grateful that finance is going to have a perspective and the technical team's going to have their perspective so that we don't break anything that's already <laughs> in motion and working. And the business team is going to really help us bring in is what we're delivering useful. Then if we can even start to have that kind of conversation, it can ease up some of that stress. So that's like team decision-making. But what if that team is in our head and we want to start to think about the different voices in our head and how we need to kind of look at those voices and kind of name them as well so that we can get a little space from all the pressure and the noise on personal decisions. Mm, yeah. 
it's a lot easier in an environment where you have people representing different departments because you can kind of think, okay, they're protecting the bottom line. They're protecting the sales numbers. They're protecting the keeping all the platforms and all the uh, softwares and hardwares, you know, moving. But when it's in our own head, it could create, you know, a bit of a conflict if you had all those voices and one of those voices or some of those voices we are not even aware of, right? We can look at a situation and all of a sudden realize that that voice might not even be in present time. Because one of the things I've found is if I can get present to the moment of what the decision really is versus bringing the, this reminds me of a decision when I was six years old, when I made a bad decision about whether I should climb that jungle gym or not. You know, all those the little triggers, the unconscious triggers that we've talked about, you know, and that continue to always be present in our lives as we, this is a good opportunity for those to surface. And then we can, oh, okay, that's a valid point. That was a valid point when I was six. It's probably still a valid point now, but let me see it for what it is. It's not the driving force of the facts here for this decision to be made. Because sometimes if you can just take the emotional triggering piece out of it, the decision becomes less effort and more clear. An experience I had recently with that was um, an issue with my car. And, you know, having been in car accidents in my life and having, you know, I think a lot a really shared experience that many of us have is having some level of trauma and fear uh, that remains from an accident that may have happened. And then when another thing happens with a car, some of those emotions can come back up. Whatever the things I need to do, they're just one thing at a time. What's the next best step to do right now? And they're not that as hard of a decision if you can turn down some of those unconscious voices that remind you of things from your past. So I had an opportunity to exercise that recently. And I was like, oh, this actually was a lot easier than than it has been for me in the past, that's a victory. I feel good about that. I didn't actually spend a lot of time listening to that old, those old voices and those old experiences because I still remember them, but they're not super relevant for this situation. That's so fun to acknowledge that the different voices may come from different timelines and experiences. And for me, when I was a kid, I actually had a wonderful person who was just a, she came at the right time in my life. And I was so confused about all these voices in my head. And actually that's a whole other podcast, but she really encouraged me to sit them all down at a table and name them. And I, I've developed and kind of worked on that tool and brought that into adulthood. And so I can help communicate the different perspectives that are in my on my own mind. I'm often involved in making large executive decisions with massive amounts of dollars behind those decisions. And it can be very stressful. And, and so one of the things that I do is I start, I've started to refer to the different hats I'm wearing, which really is the different voices. And so I might say, this is a really interesting idea. Let's, let's look at this idea and explore this new idea for something to happen in the company or do something different. And from my risk management hat, I, this is some, these are some of the things that I see. So I name it so that that perspective doesn't sound like I'm 
jumping all over the idea and squashing innovation. And I might then be able to say, you know, from a technical perspective, I see that these are some of the things we have in place that we can leverage. And here's some areas we may need to grow and develop. And from the finance perspective, so I can actually label my feedback. And that seems to really disarm people because they understand that I'm not just going in, well, this is a risk, this is a risk, this is a risk. And here's how we don't have the tech to stack to do that and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I can be able to communicate that in a less in a less triggering way. And then internally, let's talk, let's take it out of business and back into the personal world. There are some very distinct voices that I have in my head and some of them have come from different periods of time. So I recognize who's coming to the table and then try to understand that perspective. And as I always say, take what works and leave what doesn't. So for example, if it's the risk manager, you know, great. These are some of the potential pitfalls or risks of what I'm looking at. I don't need to stay with that. I can acknowledge the risks, but not let that stress me out so bad that it makes me go into fight, flight, or freeze. So risk manager I have, I have the Girl Scout. She's like, I never was in Girl Scouts, but in my head, she's like this Girl Scout who is always trying to get things right and do things right. And so- Mm, A good girl. She's a good girl. Bless her heart. She just wants to be a good girl. Yeah. She wants to make everybody happy. And so I can just recognize that she's come to the table. If she's got some useful info, I can take it. If she doesn't, I can say thank you and let her speak her mind and then leave. I don't get into debates with these different voices because I find that's a rabbit hole, but I acknowledge them as they come up over making a personal decision. I have the optimist. Mm. Optimist is like, it's great. Everything's going to work out. Don't worry about that, risk manager. It's fine. Nothing ever bad happens. It's just all good and gravy. So when when she comes to the table, I got to say, I love that optimism. Thank you for giving me a vibe I can tune into of how it's all going to work out. And I can even tune into optimism better when I didn't squash the risk manager bringing the potential risks up. When I really listened to her, then I can be more optimistic because I'm looking at a more well-rounded picture. Barb, what are some of the, if you were to just cut off the top of your head, think about some of the different voices that might come up or names for them. Do you have some others that come up for you? Yeah, well, cert- certainly all the ones you named, I think, are are very present for me. And then, you know, I have this other voice, which is, you know, wait a minute, this is new information. Do I really trust this? What is, you know... Maybe I better check this out with some of the other voices. Maybe I better go get a second opinion. There's like a self-doubt voice that creeps in that sort of is, you know, you're the youngest kid in the, you know, in the game and you're not quite sure what the rules are. Maybe people know more than you. And that that voice has, I find it very helpful to acknowledge it and kind of see it and um, smile at it and say, yeah, that's a totally valid perspective for your old Barb. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> <laughs> you actually are no longer at risk of that being banned from the playground because you didn't know the rules to the game. Uh, so I think that that kind of 
self-doubt voice is a big one and that, you know, many of us try to just cover that up by being confident, right? Because that's kind of what you were told, like, just, you know, hold your head high and everything's going to be fine and just, you know, play along with the optimist. But if you, but if that little girl's always hanging back there, it doesn't feel comfortable. It no longer feels effortless to make this decision. There feels like this tension. So as you were saying, just naming it like, oh, hi, you're the, you're the voice that, that has protected me in the past. Thank you so much for that. And I see that the facts are, I just need to do these things. And, and if I need to course correct halfway through that, I actually can do that. So there's that other voice, which is if you make the decision, A, you're excluding all other decision, all the, all the other factors. And that's not necessarily true because we're all responding in real time. So in a situation, you know, that's probably happened to all of us, you know, you're getting ready to get in your car and go to work and you've got a flat tire and you're like, okay, well, I have to be at work in 20 minutes to start this meeting. How should I best proceed? I could have someone come get me. I could call a ride share. I could call a tow truck. Do I really need to do all those things right now? Or is the most important thing, I'm just going to get myself to the meeting and then I'm going to deal with this afterwards. That's the perfect decision to make right now. All of those little decisions as we go through them, recognizing that every decision we make is not final because life is just a series of those decisions. So that's the the absolutist voice, right? The, oh, what if I make the wrong decision? That it's a different version of self-doubt. But if you make the wrong decision, just keep staying open to the information and you can course correct because we do that all the time, right? We see an obstacle, we walk around it or we stop and think about it. Why is that obstacle there? Maybe I'm supposed to go in the other direction. Uh, you know, even thinking about a phys- physical obstacles, but also, you know, mental and emotional obstacles that come up. So the self-doubt voice, the little young fearful voice, and then the every decision seems too final. Because, you know, even those small decisions, as we go through the day, the more the more relaxed we are in our decision-making. We hear all the voices. We make the best decision we can. And then whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And that's the sort of surrender to the, to the reality of, you know, what you're seeing and being able to see when you need to course correct. I love the idea of course correcting. I did want to call out one other voice that I noticed has come up for me. And she is a puzzler. She loves puzzles. Here's a piece. Here's a piece. How do we fit this together? How do we work it out? And I noticed that the puzzler sometimes steps in and starts making decisions on how to make it all work without actually giving space for the rest of the internal mental team to decide that we do want it to work. (laughs) So that fixer, puzzler, dare I say, let's take a deep breath. (gasps) <gasps> codependent. Yeah. That's, that's the, I got you voice. I got you. Don't worry. I know the right decision. Y'all just be quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Huh, let that go. Yeah. Recognizing her and that she can step in and start just fixing it all or making it all work. And we haven't really decided if we want it to work at all, or if maybe the best thing is to 
make no decision in that moment and just allow things to resolve or bubble up as they do. Because sometimes we don't have all the information that we want to have or need to have, Mm. not enough data Mm. to actually make a decision. And that brings me to my next and sort of final point on this, which is taking space. Because sometimes we feel the pressure to make a decision and maybe there's a timeline that we have to make some decision and we just do the best we can, like you were saying, Barb, with the information you have. And then sometimes we assume a deadline or we assume things have to be resolved by us, but actually the next right thing to do is just give some space for more data to come, for things to shift for us to get some clarity on what type of decision we want and how we want that to go. And so allowing all the voices to have their voice and then giving yourself permission to step back and let that higher self, that deeper, more connected, more mature self inside to take in the information, reobserve the landscape that we're making a decision on and then making a decision in that right time. And so there is often more time and more space to make a decision than we give ourselves to do. And that creates a lot of stress. And so we have to acknowledge the stress of external pressures, but also the internal pressures. Mm, That voice I recognize in myself so often that I set self-imposed deadlines for myself, which is a winning strategy to get a lot of stuff done. But When you're in a situation, as we were just discussing, where you maybe don't have enough visibility into all the information. And it's been really helpful for me, Callie, as we've worked together on a variety of things over the years to, you know, I'll be like, oh, there's all these factors, blah, 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 blah. And then for you to say, you know, yeah, I don't think we're going to be able to figure that out maybe right this second, but let's just ground it. And even just the saying of that, oh, let's just ground it. Let's just know that all this information flying around, some of it we might not even need. There's some blind spots in here we don't have. But if we just kind of let things settle and ground, just like the mud settling to the bottom of the lake, right? We get the, Some of that turbulence goes away. And from that space, we can see, you know, In a day or two, maybe we make that decision and maybe we don't need to make that decision for a week, but we just have set ourselves a self-imposed deadline for that. So two important things there, which is one is allowing all the information to settle and all the voices to be heard and then be able to sit back and take a breath and ground and see when that decision, when the implications of that decision will really matter. And sometimes you don't even have to make a decision at all because things change and it's no longer an issue. I love it when that magic happens. Me too. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> it's like, oh, you, you don't have to do everything. Oh, great. So that's another podcast of you don't have to do everything, obviously, because many of us like to wear that hat too. <laughs> oh, season four. Let's do it. Season four. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. We really enjoy our community our Clarity fam and all of the participation that we've had on social. You know, we are a community that's supported by listeners like you. So if you haven't had an opportunity to leave a review for our podcast, 
it would mean the world to us. It really helps us smaller podcasts get noticed more. And if you've got a friend that you think might benefit from a little cup of clarity, then please, by all means, please share it. And as with anything, take what works from these podcasts, leaves what doesn't. It's not meant to have 100% resonate with everyone. We get to pick and choose what we want and what works. And that's a little cup of clarity right there. So on our next episode, we are going to be talking about letting the people around you take their own trips towards their own personal lessons. So in other words, we actually may see that they've got a big lesson coming up from a current course of action that they're taking or like a, they're going down a, a path, they're on this trip and they're going to go down that trip. And on many of us try to jump in and fix it, give them perspective, stop it. We just don't want them to hit that bottom or that lesson or, or have that pain because we care about them or we're super controlling. I mean, maybe one or two of us might be that. Uh, <laughs> but, I don't know uh, what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, no idea. Not relatable at all. Uh, but the thing is, like, actually, one of the ways we can honor people, especially the ones we care about, is we can give our perspective when asked, but otherwise we can give space for them to take their trips and have their lessons. And in that way, we can also give ourselves space to have our lessons and our life lessons and take our own trips. And things just get a lot more easy in our relationships and a lot more fun. So until next time, be well. 